0: Be a pro with AC Pro.
1: Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story and one of the best the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team. Boston Loose Baseball, episode seventy-seven. We've got some news to
2: discuss. Dylan Cruz is on the move. Plus, we wanted to react to what was a really, really cool night for the Nationals in Williamsport. Awesome broadcast nationally as they took part in the Little League Day for Major League Baseball. That's coming up on episode seventy-seven of Boston Loose Baseball right now. Boston Lose Baseball, episode 77. Grant Paulson, Toby Altizer, producer, Darius Damer. I guess we should just start with the news at the minor league level and not bury it. Dylan Cruz is being promoted to double A. He is headed to Harrisburg. And because Jacob Young, who we could talk about in a few minutes, but he's one of my favorite players, as I've said many times, not a great prospect, but just a scrappy as hell undersized college player from Florida who hits. Uh, he's getting bumped up to AAA. So what does that mean? It means that James Wood, Dylan Cruz, and Robert Hassel will all be in the outfield together for the Harrisburg Senators this week for the first time. A huge moment for this organization as they've turned this system around. Obviously, Wood and Hassel last year were added to the system in the Soto deal. And in the case of Dylan Cruz, they just drafted him number two overall. Toby, we've gone and seen him. I- I've seen him now a few times at Fredericksburg. I was there on Saturday night when he had three more hits and hit the fifth home run that he's hit as a pro now. But pretty clearly the nationals after five homers and 24 RBI in 15 games decided he wasn't being tested at low a and they're going to skip a plus Wilmington and send him right to double a.
4: Yeah. I mean, it kind of just seems like they were doing the Fred Nats a solid because this guy could have probably started at least in high a, if not double a, because You saw right away, once he got past that first game jitters, it was over. He just was the best player on the field, consistently hitting the ball everywhere and hitting the ball out of the ballpark and just driving it all over the place, driving in runs. I mean, this is the guy that you saw at LSU. I mean, this is a guy that's an absolute stud. So, you know, no surprise that he's promoted. You know, maybe you're a little surprised he's skipping high A, but we've talked about this before, Grant. And I kind of figured with Dylan Cruz, they would consider this and that, You know, you don't necessarily want to send a guy like him to Wilmington and the ballpark there. But also, you get the opportunity to create that dream outfield that we were just talking about in Hassle and Wood and Cruz. And that's going to be the outfield of the future, hopefully. And realistically, it could be in just a couple of seasons. And now you get to see it in double A. Let me tell you, if you're in the Harrisburg area, get over and check out the team. If you weren't already checking out the team, because they already have a bunch of studs. Go over there and check them out because they're going to be a fun team to watch.
2: And if you're not, it might be time to make a little road trip and get a hotel Mm -hmm. for the night, take the kids, cheap night at the ballpark, try to get a couple autographs. Uh, We could talk about the rest of the team in a moment. But, yeah, Cruz has just handled everything really well so far. The amount of autographs he signed in Fredericksburg was pretty astounding to me. After just about every single game, I thought that was really cool. He clearly understands his place and how important he is right now in the system, how big of a deal he is in baseball. He's done a ton of interviews and been very available and present. You see features everywhere, ESPN and the Washington Post and all over, you know, the uh, TV and and radio affiliates for the organization already. Um, But, you know, this comes with the territory when you're the number two overall pick. There's going to be a lot expected. There's going to be a ton of people watching everything that you do. And he's just calmly gone 25 for 65 at the plate, a 385 batting average. Remember, that was just the one game he saw three pitches, had three hits, first pitch swinging in the complex league as a rookie player, rookie ball player. And then after that one game, he got bumped up 14 games in Fredericksburg. To your point, I don't know that he was really, you know, look, he was tested, but his 27% strikeout rate, 19 Ks in 14 games shows that he he faced some decent pitching. Mm-hmm. But he's used to, I would say, better pitching in the SEC. I was kind of curious, would they hook Wilmington, give them a homestand with Cruz, you know, get, sell some tickets, help them out a little bit. I feel a little bit bad for Wilmington for the blue rocks. They're kind of the the stepchild. It seems like in the organization right now, but let's face the facts. Number one, he probably is going to be best tested at double a. And it, it, number two, I think it's awesome for them. Not just from a, um, like a story standpoint and, and you know, just uh, anecdotally, but also I think for where they're going and what they want to build to have crews in the same outfield with Wood and Hassel now is a really big deal. I think that's important. And the last thing I'd say is that ballpark, you know, sorry about it, Wilmington, but it's it's so unfriendly to hitters. I just wouldn't keep guys there long. They didn't keep Brady House there. They've, you know, whether it was Lipscomb or James Wood, I mean, they've moved guys through there. It's just not a, a hitter friendly uh, environment. You know, I, they, they, that was the last, for whatever reason, they were the, one of the last minor league um, affiliates of any organization to, like, have the live televised games as well. Like, it, it just hasn't quite been on the same level as the brand-new beautiful park in Fredericksburg. Obviously, AA is a whole other beast. So I do feel a little bit bad that Wilmington gets skipped, uh, skipped. The good news for them, and we could talk about this in a minute, Yohani Morales, who was drafted in the second round, is going to the Blue Rocks, as is Andrew Pinckney, who was drafted in the fourth round out of Alabama. Both of those guys were tearing the cover off the ball with Cruz and Fredericksburg. So it's not like Wilmington isn't getting any uh, spark here or any juice or shot in the arm. They're going to. Uh, but Dylan Cruz up to double A is, is the story. The, the thing that has surprised me most about him, Toby, I thought it was going to be a lot of loud contact, high exit velocities and line drives, doubles and singles. I'm really surprised he's already got five home runs and the opposite field power he's showing. The ball he hit out, one hopping and over, like the second fence in the back of the ballpark. You've been to Fredericksburg, you know, into the woods, basically. Really, really big-time power. And I know the Nats brass. I mean, they were thinking it's it's going to be a lot of base hits and doubles. It's You know, the power will eventually come. And for what it's worth so far, I mean, he has really driven the ball in the air more than I would have anticipated. Yeah, I mean, five home runs in, what was it,
4: 15 games or something like that that he's yeah, been like there? In so...
2: 60 at-bats.
4: Yeah. So, I mean, obviously flashing probably a little bit more power than you were expecting. So, it's kind of nice to see that. We'll see if it carries over to double A. But I like the approach of just go ahead and push this guy and, you know, see how far you can extend him and see how far you can get him as far, you know, as quickly as possible. And so, I like the idea of doing that. You've already got James Wood there and you've got some established guys that are going to be a part of the future of this team there. So, why not go ahead and get them all in the same organization, have them already start gelling and see. What you can do like, you know, it sucks for Wilmington that they don't get to see Dylan Cruz. But at the same point, I love the idea of trying to push him along because this is a guy that played in the SEC.
2: So he's played high level baseball. Now give him that next step and just see how he does. Yeah, I think this was the right decision. He's ready and we're going to get to watch him now. The, The top four spots in that lineup with Jacob Young, Robert Hassel, Trey Lipscomb, James Wood hitting one through four have already been top 30 prospect, but this is about to be a whole nother level of excitement for the senators. And I think that's maybe uh, the part of this that I like the most. In addition to now we're going to get a real look at where Dylan Cruz is, how close he is to the major leagues. uh, That's a big takeaway, right? When the Nats get guys to double A, sometimes you don't spend a whole lot of time there. Look at Juan Soto and some of the other prospects they've called up. Like going to double A is the, is the huge decision for them. When you're there, you're a phone call away. I mean, it speaks to how advanced they really believe this guy is. The timeline now is that he'll probably start next year at double-A and be in the big leagues in the middle of next season. I mean, that's very realistic and not crazy to think about at this point. But you look at that Harrisburg lineup, as you pointed out now, and you're going to have, with Jacob Young elevated, I wonder if they would have Dylan Cruz lead off perhaps. Maybe you don't want to put that pressure on him initially. I would, but you're going to have Cruz, Hassel, Lipscomb, and Wood in some variation all slugging and and having big years. Lipscomb hit another home run as we're taping on Sunday. He was two for four with a bomb. He's hitting 335 in Double A. Hassel obviously has had a disappointing season, but he's certainly been better and hit for more power over the last six weeks than at the start of the season. And James Wood had two more hits, another run scored, a two for five, Uh, on Sunday, he hit his 23rd homer of the season over the weekend. The strikeout rate's up over 30%, so that's worth monitoring, but he's hitting for huge power. So this is kind of the symbolism. This is the visualization of how far this system has come now to look at that lineup and see all those guys stacked at the top of the order closing in on the major leagues. Yeah,
4: and I like the fact that you can get all these guys together so they can build some camaraderie in the clubhouse. And the reason that I like it is... You know, we just had CJ Abrams on the pod last week and we talked about comfortability. It doesn't necessarily matter which of the guys gets up to the majors first, but if you have Cruz gets to the majors first and then Wood comes up, well, he already has someone familiar in the clubhouse that he knows. You know, and when Brady House first came up to double A, he's out there throwing the ball with James Wood because he's familiar with them. So if they can all kind of grow up together and then they already have that clubhouse camaraderie built, that's not something you have to work on when they get to the big league level. So I like the idea of having all those guys in the same spot and all those guys, like you said, are just a call away from the bigs.
2: Yeah. At the triple a level, in case people are curious now with Jacob young elevated, uh, he'll be there. They're really not a ton in terms of prospects that uh, they've loaded up double a. And, and so triple a is a lot more four a types, you know, guys who have been in the big leagues and sent back down, Luis Garcia, Travis Blankenhorn, who's got over 20 home runs in the minors this season. Jake Knoll, who we've seen. Matt Adams, the former Nat Slugger, believe it or not, is still in AAA for them. Some of the pitchers on the staff are Joe Lasorsa and, you know, guys like Anthony Banda, who you've seen at the major league level. So that's kind of the makeup at Rochester. Uh, but Jacob Young, before we get into, you know, Double a little bit more, just to give you a, a, a little bit of a profile on him, uh, he's a guy we talked about on, on the a pot a couple of times just because I, I man crush it on him a little bit. He's he's an undersized guy from the University of Florida. He's turned 24 years old this year. His former seventh round pick, but he just keeps hitting. Like I keep getting told, oh, he's not a great prospect, but you know, he scored 118 runs last year. It was like him and Aaron Judge in professional baseball uh, in that area. Now this year he's hitting 305 with a 800 OPS. And after getting bumped to double when he, A when he was promoted from Harrisburg this weekend, I think he had a 15 game hitting streak. But he hit 307 in Wilmington. He hit 304 in AA. His OPS went up 20 points at the AA level. Uh, He steals a lot of bases. He's got 39 bags and 46 tries. This year, he stole 52 bases last year. I think he's ultimately like a fourth outfielder. Think of, like, on this year's team, a rich man's Alex Cole. But, like, just a guy who for years could play a major league role as a defense, speed guy, not a lot of power but maybe he could hit for some average. Uh, I think he'll just be a guy that fans like, you know, Andrew Stevenson's role from years ago, but again, maybe a better offensive profile. Um, so he goes up to AAA now, so I'm excited for him. And then at Double I wonder what they're going to do in the outfield. I've said for a while, I want to know what you think about this, Toby. James Wood can play center. I've seen him with my own eyes. You have as well. He can go gap to gap. He could be terrific in center field, even though he's six seven with his speed. He's so big, a la Aaron Judge or something, I'm moving him out of center. It just takes too much of a toll on his body. So right away, I would kind of get him anchored in right field maybe. Uh, Perhaps you move Hassel over to left field, and Young's been playing center with James Wood alternating. I would just have Dylan Cruz plant in center field. Saturday night when I went and saw him, I'm sure you guys saw some of the clips online, he made a really good diving catch coming into the infield, kind of parallel to the ground, and then he made a hell of a play out in left center. I didn't see this clip making the rounds but on the run kind of bracing himself against the wall he made two awesome catches he could definitely play center field so for now I would just keep him out there and get him some of those looks
4: yeah I mean a big guy with James Wood I don't necessarily want him sticking in center field because it's ultimately about health I mean you've seen that happen with other guys that probably could play center field thinking of a guy like a Ronald Acuna but you move him to a corner just so he doesn't have to run as much Dylan Cruz, I think, can kind of cover that ground. And, you know, that's something, remember, Grant, we were talking about when he was getting drafted was, can he stick in center field? So far, he's looked like he can. But, I mean, ultimately, if it's going to be the case, I wouldn't hate the idea of Hassel. Do you think that he could play center field, or is he more so going to be that corner guy? I've seen him kind of play some center field. I haven't necessarily seen him play a bunch, but I wouldn't hate the idea of Hassel's capable. But for the time being, I would leave Cruz in center field just to get him more reps.
2: Yeah, it's a good point. I mean, honestly, a lot of teams will do it this way where like whatever you whoever matters to you the least offensively, maybe, if you can play a good center field, you put out there almost like catcher, because of the, as you said, like the the grind and the wear and tear and some of the things that happens to the body when you're, you know, playing out there, it can be difficult. So if Cruz and Wood are the two prime guys maybe you say yeah let's not focus on that nearly as much but just so people know Robert Hassel this year has played 49 games in center field 20 games in left field and 24 games in right field so he's actually played more innings 422 in center field than in either of the other two spots where he's played more right and then um, left and I've seen him play Fredericksburg I saw him in right for the most part you and I saw him in left, I believe, the night we went to Harrisburg. And I've seen him in center field now more recently at AA as well. And he can play all three positions. So uh, they may do what the Orioles do, honestly, Tobe. I mean, the Orioles, they'll move like Jackson Holiday will do three or four days at third, three or four days at short, three or four days at second. And they rotate guys. They did this with Jordan Westberg. And when they had all those infielders like Gunnar Henderson, they were moving around day by day just to keep, all their options open and maybe the Nats will do something like that. I don't hate that either.
4: Yeah, I don't mind that because you'd like to see all of them have the capability if you need to because if you're in a, you know, big time situation and you need the extra range, I don't mind having James Wood go out there to center field. I just don't want him there, you know, every single day. You know, same thing with Dylan Cruz. So, I don't have an issue with rotating them around ultimately, you know, when it comes down to it. I'd love to see Hassel be able to take that so that way you're not putting the wear and tear on the other guys, but I don't mind getting them a, you know, a couple games every now and then center field just to keep
2: them fresh in that position. Uh, just to give the breakdown on the numbers defensively this year for James Wood in the outfield, 61 games in center, 33 games in right. He's played those two positions. Uh, he has not played any left field, which makes sense because at his size with his arm strength. I mean, he's, he's either going to be probably in right or in center and no real need to even consider throwing him into left. I think Hassel would be the guy of the three if one of them gets moved over uh, to left field. But you mentioned that's not just the outfield to be excited about. It's also Lipscomb and Brady House, who is not in the lineup uh, on Sunday for the Senators. So you're going to have a lineup maybe where he could hit fifth behind Wood. like, it, Or you could have Lipscomb hit five if you wanted to move him down and have House higher up. But your top two uh, outfield sensations who are both top ten players – at the same affiliate now hassle arrow trending down, but still one of the better prospects in the system, add some strength, get him back to hitting the ball for more damage early next year. He could pretty quickly become a guy again that matters a whole lot to you. And I still would, would call him a highly regarded prospect, even as things have cooled off. And then in the infield, Lipscomb, who played third uh, with house, not playing, but, You know, he, we've seen him play all of the infield positions. He's played a little bit of short, which was cool. Second and first. Um, I'll, I'll be interested to see. I think you pretty much anchor him at second now while you're playing house a bunch and you you try to go about it that way. But, uh, man, it's, it's just cool to see what's happening in this system overnight. I mean, we couldn't have any of these conversations last year Or, or for that matter, we couldn't have a conversation period two years ago. It's like, Hey, uh. Carter, key boom dot 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 like it i mean it is night and day man as someone who cares about the minors it's fun right now
4: yeah absolutely and it's a lot of fun to watch these guys and just the hope that comes with it because you know i, I we don't talk about the big league club at you know as much as we probably would if they were a good team but i don't know if you've noticed this grant but it seems like over the last month maybe two months it seems like there's a reinvigoration with this baseball team, even the big league club. It seems like nationals parks a little bit more full. It seems like there's a buzz around the ballpark just a little bit. And it doesn't even always have to do with the guys that are there. I think there's just an excitement that James Wood could be there soon. Dylan Cruz could be there soon, Brady house. And you mentioned house and just looking at his numbers. The only thing that's missing right now is some of that slug because, you know, earlier this season, You know, you had about a 297 in A ball, 318 average in high A for the minute that he was there. And now he's 317 in double A. The on-base percentage is 365 here. It's been around there for the entire time. It's just his slug was 500 in A ball, 540 for the little bit in high A. It's only 392 right now in double A. So that's really all that's missing right now from Brady House. But, you know, it's nice to see all these guys excel when they get there, too. Like, You know, you'd like to see some of the strikeout stuff disappear from James Wood's game, but at the same point, he's also hitting bombs. And so it's exciting to see all these guys get called up and not just sit there, you know, get promoted and just sit there and kind of struggle. Like at a point they figure it out, you obviously still need to develop them, but they're also exceeding in a lot of ways as
0: well. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what?
2: The other guys that are getting promoted with Dylan Cruz from Fredericksburg. Tough day for the Fred Nats, man. Their offense was just killing because they had all these <laughs> draft picks. And this is the the way of the minor leagues, I guess, right? Their homestand ends and they're all leaving. Yohani Morales to Wilmington. Really interesting. He is not homered yet. Yohani Mor- the book on Yo-Yo is he hits bombs. He's going to have big power. There's questions about the approach and the swing and miss. So far as a pro, he's hitting 390. He is has a 1000 OPS and he's got no home runs and his strikeout rate was lower than Dylan Cruz's uh, 18 punches over 82 at bats over 20 games, Uh very small sample. This is not a career make, so we'll uh, continue to monitor him, but I just love the way he's playing. We had him on the pod last week. You can go check out that interview. If you want to hear from Yoani Morales on our recent Boston loose baseball. Uh, but the, the thing that stands out, having seen him again Saturday night with a couple more extra base hits this weekend, like it, it's, just a, it's just a really good approach. He's hitting the ball where it's coming from, where it's thrown. He's not trying to do too much. Now, we'll see if that is the case at A+. He's about to get, like Dylan Cruz, I think, a real stiff test for the first time. University of Miami, college player, 40th overall. I mean, he was better than the competition at Fredericksburg. He was better than the competition in rookie ball. Uh, he's 21, and, and now he's going to be at a level where I think he actually gets challenged. Uh, we have seen Andrew Pinkney cool off a little bit, but that just means that a former player of the week who was hitting 500 for his first 10 games or something like that in the minors is now only hitting 340. But he, we've seen the Alabama product, fourth round pick for Mike Rizzo and the Nats, 102 overall last month after Cruz, after Morales. These were three of the first four guys they chose. I mean, Pinkney in 19 games hitting 340, 965 ops, three home runs, 10 extra base hits. Uh, he has destroyed the ball. And what I love about him is he's shown all the tools. He's made plays defensively. He's stolen seven bases and eight tries. You know, unlike Morales, who's just a huge 6'4", 225, this guy is like a sculpted, central casting, build him in a video game kind of player. six three two fifteen 215, can run, uh, loud tools. Not the, the caliber of bat of Morales or Cruz, but you wouldn't have known it watching him in Fredericksburg. Yeah,
4: I mean, it's a beautiful thing that they drafted these guys from college schools, ACC, SEC, and they did what they should have against A-Ball. They went out there and dominated, and I think the thing that surprised me the most, Grant, was with Yo-Yo Morales, two triples. Who would have thought a guy that big can motor like that? And he can, and we'll start to see the power come through at some point, but impressive to see that he can move like that. We saw him show off the arm when we were down there in Fredericksburg, and he's got a cannon over there at third base, so... It's nice to see these guys, when they get
2: drafted, do exactly what they should. So this was the one thing I couldn't deduce. And, and when I say I couldn't, I didn't ask these questions, and I probably should have done a little more reporting and digging. But when I put out uh, on Sunday night that uh, Cruz was going to double A and that Pinkney and um, Yo-Yo were going up to A-plus, in my mind, I'm assuming, I, I haven't heard this, but if it doesn't happen right away, it'll happen soon enough, Elijah Green's got to get sent back to Fredericksburg soon. I mean, I, I don't, I haven't heard that that's happening, but I, this is just my now opinion that it won't be long if, if it's not Tuesday when they play their next game on the road. But for those people that don't know, Elijah Green uh, was shut down, didn't play for weeks. It was a risk, but they never really gave details. Did you ever hear more than that? I, I never no. heard more than. No, it was very vague. Yeah. So like a vague risk thing. Uh, he didn't play for weeks. You, you may have more details on how long it was. I don't remember, but. He started playing again in the complex league this week, and he's hit a couple of bombs. I mean, he had a ball that our buddy sent us, uh, our buddy Ryan sent in our, our Nats nerd group chat that we have, uh, like 116 mile an hour exit velocity. What was it, like 450 feet or something? Yeah, like 440, 450, something stupid. It was ridiculous. And you had a great response where you're like, I can't wait to see him do this against people who can actually pitch or something <laughs> like that, which was just so perfect. But, yeah, I mean, he's at the Complex League. He's a fifth overall pick last year. It's like right now, the fifth overall pick, the the best high school players from this year, Max Clark, Walker Jenkins, like those dudes were at that level in rookie ball as 18-year-olds three weeks after their prom or whatever, and they're all mashing. Like, that's what you should do. And here's Mm -hmm. a year later, Elijah Green, after a lot of pro experience, is doing that as well. But they got to get him back to Fredericksburg. He was striking out about 50% of the time, like really alarming awful kind of swing and miss rates in the strike zone. So it's it's time he's healthy. He looks like he's having good at bats and hitting the ball uh the, the way you'd expect and want him to. So that's all great. Yay, this is me putting my thumbs up. Now I need to see him at an affiliated level at least and 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 let's let's get this train back on the tracks here.
4: Yeah, and it just kills me Grant because we've seen every other tool. We've seen the power, we've seen the speed, we've seen him be able to field but can you please just hit the baseball like that's the one thing that's holding him back? And we'll see. Maybe it just ends up being that this year just kind of ends up being a total wash, which it's totally fine for a guy that's that young. Hopefully he can get it figured out. But you'd love to see him at least for these last couple months, get back to a ball and show that he can at least improve on that strikeout rate. Some because the tools are all there. He's got all the talent in the world. It's just can he put the bat to the ball?
2: Yeah, uh, it was a 229 average, which standalone is not the end of the world, not that big of a deal, right? I mean, I'm not even a big batting average guy in terms of carrying anyway. The problem was 230 at-bats, 115 strikeouts. Oof. And this is incorporating now seven games in rookie bowl where he's got nine strikeouts and 20 at-bats in the FCL. So, I mean, the, the K rate, despite hitting 350 with an 1150 OPS and that huge home run, is actually still about 50% even at that level. It's just that when he hits it, it, he's killing it. And it's just so concerning because we've talked about this before.
4: It'd be one thing if the profile was that he was like Javi Baez and just swung at everything that was in the other batter's box. He swung at everything. And that's not necessarily the case because when you talk to scouts that have watched him and even in Fredericksburg before all the injury stuff, they'd say he had a pretty decent eye and what he'd swing at. But that doesn't add up when the dude strikes out 50% of the time. So it's clear that they need to work on something and find the fix because if they can find the fix, like I said, everything's there. It's just finding the one thing, which is putting the bat to the ball, which the problem with baseball, Grant, that's probably the most
2: fundamental thing of baseball. Can you hit the baseball? Totally. And to be honest with you, I'm not sure I wouldn't prefer that he's chasing a lot because I think that can be cleaned up to your Mm -hmm. point. Like, I think sometimes with him, like you're talking about, he'll have – James Wood's in a good example of this right now. Like, James Wood will have long at-bats. He had a couple strikeouts this weekend that I was watching where he had seven and eight pitch at-bats, and he fouled a couple balls off, and he spit on some pitches, and then he swung and missed top of the strike zone. Like, that is, okay, there's a swing adjustment or a shortening of the swing. Like, there's things that you need to do at that point. But with Elijah Green – the, the swinging and missing in the zone is somewhat worse. I would say than even chasing. Cause I think you can stop chasing. It's it's easier for me as a fat guy sitting at home to say, but like <laughs> that to me is more of a coachable uh, thing. than the other way, if you're, if you're swinging and missing constantly in the zone, that just, you got a hole in your swing and it gets exploited as you go up the ladder. And, and you probably have to make an adjustment, but to your point, Like, it isn't all bad. I feel like sometimes when we talk about him, we just harp on that he strikes out, and and deservedly so. He's a top-five pick, and it it is a, a big deal. But 23 steals and 27 tries this year for a guy that didn't consistently get on base and does play a premium position defensively. So you can see why there is a lot of interest and excitement. One other guy I'll mention, and I've not heard what the plan is yet, but inevitably they just have to get this guy to Fredericksburg as well. And maybe he and Elijah Green with Dylan Cruz and Yoani Morales, you know, the, the bus left, so to speak with all the exciting prospects. Now the next bus shows up. I'd love to see Christian vaquero in Fredericksburg mm-hmm. the rest of this season. vaquero is the 18 year old who is a Havana Cuban native who the Nats signed with all of their international money last year. And when I say all of it, I mean, they basically took the, the entire bag that they had to divvy up to as many players as possible. And they just dropped it at his feet. And he was one of the talks of all of, uh, you know, international baseball, they brought him in. He has not hit for any power really yet. He finally hit a home run this past week, but 140 at bats of uh complex league baseball this year. And he's hitting about 280. He's got an 800 OPS. He draws a lot of walks, which I think some of that is that he's got a decent approach from what Nats people are telling me. Some of that is just you're, you're in the complex league and guys don't throw strikes consistently, but already 15 steals. Uh, He's shown very well. This is a guy who's another outfielder with a huge ceiling. He didn't play in the States last year. The Nats did him a solid from what I was told. He played in the Dominican Summer League basically because had they brought him over, he would have lost like millions of dollars in taxes or something weird. So he just stayed in the Dominican, played in the DSL. Uh, Now he's getting his feet wet. And this is a long 40-plus game sample in the FCL. But I'm ready to see him in Fredericksburg too. And, And maybe now with spots opening up in the outfield, you know, it won't just be green, but soon enough, Vicaro as well. Yeah, I mean, I'm
4: hoping so, Grant, when I was in Milwaukee, you saw a guy that was a international signing that just absolutely shot up the prospect boards in Jackson Churio. Yeah, And sometimes you just have those guys that have all the talent in the world. And maybe it can be something with Elijah Green, too, where something just clicks. Finally, we're seeing it at the big league level with CJ Abrams, something just clicks. And all of a sudden they just reach all their potential. Christian vaquero is another guy that just has sky high potential. And it's crazy grant. Cause all these dudes play in the outfield aside from really Brady house and yo-yo, like everybody else is an outfielder. <laughs> hey,
2: It's true. Yeah. They're loaded up. And I mean, look, they're, they're not all going to get to the big leagues number one, and they won't all become impact players. So it's really not a concern also with some of their athleticism that you'll be able to find spots for other guys. Someone could end up at first, or you you can do all kinds of things. If it works out that more than three of them become guys that you want to play every day, which would be a huge win and a good problem to have. Uh, but that is kind of the latest. We wanted to get the pot out early this week with the day off uh, for the affiliates and, and the Nats traveling back from Williamsport because uh, you know, that's pretty big news with Dylan Cruz
0: for sure.
2: Later. How about the, the Little League game? Let's talk about that for a second. I love that broadcast. Fantastic. Uh, like I, I the kids asking the questions. It's all kind of unorthodox, and it's you know, from a TV standpoint, like you can have some tech issues and, and there's dead dead air because people don't know what they're doing. There's a lot of moving parts, but it's it is really, really cool. Like the memories they're creating. Sh- got, we got to see Stone Garrett playing ping pong in, in the Grove with the players in the dorms. We got to see C.J. Abrams and, and Jeter Downs going down the hill on the boxes. Uh, we saw, I'm trying to think of the other neat things today. Josiah Gray did like an inning in the booth and, and was really good on TV. Um, just really, really great national exposure and attention. Then Trevor Williams goes out and shoves somehow, six innings, two runs, uh, two hits, no runs. The Nats jump out to a 4 nothing lead. And so the country got to see what we've seen from this scrappy team for the last few months as they kind of whooped up on the Phillies for a while before the game got tight. All the way around, Tobes, it was a great day for the Nats. Yeah, it was really cool because, you know, I went into this a little skeptical,
4: obviously excited about what the kids are going to do with the broadcast and all the stuff that's going on with the Little League. But I was like, oh, they're just going to talk the entire time about the Phillies. It's going to be the Bryce Harper show, and they'll mention Trey Turner and talk about the stupid ovation and all that stuff but they ended up talking a bunch about the Nationals. You had Lane Thomas join the broadcast. I thought he was very informative and in what he talked about, you know, they showed CJ Abrams going down the hill like you said and just all the little things that I thought were going to get overlooked. Like the Nationals uh, obviously won the ball game and you know obviously we're a Nationals perspective, but I felt like they were equally stars of the night and then they come out on top and win the thing. So I thought it was really cool to see them get this national exposure. You know, we watch C.J. Abrams every single night. We watch Lane Thomas every single night. But it's cool for the guys at ESPN to be talking about, hey, man, nobody wants to be playing this team right now because they're kind of wrecking people's seasons. They beat the Red Sox in a series. They just beat the Phillies now in a series. And if you're a team that's looking for a postseason berth or you're fighting for your lives, you don't want to face the Nats right now because they don't give up. They fight. And if you slip up, they'll take full advantage of it. So it's really cool to see them get that kind of recognition and then just obviously it being at the little league world series in Williamsport. It's something that I've always wanted to do. And I haven't been able to get out to watch the little league world series in Williamsport, but it was really cool to see all the guys and how they're talking about what they were like as little kids and how cool it was to be in Williamsport and just hearing the touching different things that guys were talking about. It was a, it was a really cool thing to see.
2: Yeah. I, I tell you what, I mean, you should go to, to Williamsport. I, it's, it is unlike anything else you can experience as a sports fan. I had the privilege of going two times uh, many, many years ago when I was not much older than the players. As a matter of fact, um, what what a cool thing it, it was! I think one of the year one of the years I covered it, uh, Randall Grichik was playing. To give you an idea wow. of the time frame. but uh, I was there. I actually did the sideline reporting for ABC Sports for two years. So it was Harold Reynolds and Brent Musburger in the booth, and they'd throw it down to me to do interviews and stuff. And some of the great memories of my life, you know, as a broadcaster, but just with my parents for that week in Williamsport, it's the coolest, like, you can't be there and not have chills the whole time. You know what I mean? Same kind of vibes, I'm sure, when you're at that cornfield game in Iowa, which I haven't mm-hmm. done, but it's there's just a romanticism to it. Like, I was talking to my wife today, and I was like, I cannot wait to take my son. He's too young at two, but like when he's six, seven, eight years old and he's already baseball crazed. But like to me, that that is that's dream stuff. You know, the, the father son trip there is like what dreams are made of. I'm not sure if you saw the video you mentioned, Bryce, of him getting all emotional about his kids. I thought that was just really good TV. Uh Yeah, it's it's just it's a great telecast and. It's such a good idea, whoever came up with it. I know uh, people kill this iteration of the commissioner's office and and Manfred, but they have done some really smart, good things. The rule changes are working. Games like this are really, really good. And then, you know, take the, the broadcast and the Little League element away. The Nats played a damn good baseball game, right? Yeah. I mean, they, they scored four runs in the first. Now, they didn't have anything going offensively after that. But with Williams throwing six innings of two-hit ball and not allowing a run, Weems clean sheet in the seventh with a punchy. Harvey was really good face four and, and got a punchy in the eighth and the seventh rather. They bring Mason Thompson back from the shelf and he couldn't uh, finish the deal and so they had to go to Finnegan who gave up a homer. But final score was tighter than the game and, and Finnegan got saved number twenty one and gave up a crooked number uh, one of and you know run plus the inherited runners. But I just I, you know I thought it was. Uh, my inv- what I wanted was the Nats to, to have a game where the country saw what we see. Like, I didn't want it to be Trevor Williams, three inning seven runs, and everyone's like, oh, the Nats are who I thought they were. And this is what I wanted everyone to see, right? Lane Thomas goes two for four. Manessas has three hits. Like, they strung it together. I think that they proved this is how they've been doing this, and this is why they've won seven of nine and 12 of 16 and 20 of 29. And they're 29 and 22 since June 24th, the third best record in the NL over that time.
4: Yeah, and baseball is such a long schedule, Grant, that you can usually say the old adage, I think it's more of a football adage, but you are what your record says you are. The problem with the Nationals in saying that is they were what their record says they were when they were bad early in the season, and they were losing games that they should have at least kept a lot closer, and they were competitive, but they were losing these games. They're not necessarily what their record says they are right now because you ratted off how they've basically played over the last month or so, and they've been very competitive and not just competitive, but winning these games. They're above 500, and they're a team that, you know, if they could have played at this sort of level throughout the season, they would have been talking about a wild card berth. They're not, obviously. I'm not trying to say that, but that's kind of the level that they're playing on right now, so You know, when they roll into Williamsport on Sunday Night Baseball and people see the record of the Phillies versus the Nationals, it just seems like, oh, okay, the Phillies are going to steamroll them. But you're right. This is kind of the team that we've seen over the last month or so where they're competitive and sometimes they go out there even against the teams that are better on paper or have a better record and they look like the better baseball team. And that's a good thing that they got to do that on Sunday Night Baseball with everyone watching.
2: So I I just saw Keith law posted something in the athletic about the promotion of Dylan Cruz to double a. And I wanted to mention this real quick before we go. He says, I don't see much reason to jump Cruz two levels already. Although I infer from the move that the nationals are at least considering having him see the majors this year. (laughs) Otherwise it makes absolutely no sense. That's interesting. Now I don't agree with that completely. Um, and I, it doesn't sound like Keith Law is citing anybody with the team or, you know, the firsthand knowledge of, us you know, sourcing that information. I, it seems like he's guessing based on why else not send him to Wilmington. Having said that, though, how about Keith Law of the Athletic? Yeah. One of the lead prospects analysts in the country saying to move him up to double A and skip two levels now with still six weeks left or so in the baseball season they've got to at least be considering the possibility of letting him debut this year. Now, again, I don't think that's the case. Uh, I think that you've seen plenty of times where uh, a really, really good college hitter plays at double a, you almost never see with all due respect to Nolan, Shannowell or Ryan Zimmerman, <laughs> uh, the, the major league in year one. But I just wanted to throw that out there. I think that's, that's pretty interesting.
4: Yeah, it's Tom, very, intri- it's very intriguing. I don't necessarily agree with it, but you know, they have to be floating around the idea if, you know, maybe James Wood plays super well, would you consider a September call-up? I mean, it's something that I'm sure that maybe got kicked around, but kinda not really being thought about. But who knows if <laughs> if Dylan Cruz goes up there and just tears the cover off the ball for a couple weeks, maybe, but I kind of doubt it. I think they just kind of want to get all these guys into the right level and especially Cruz, get him, challenge him for the rest of this season, and then start him there next year and see
2: you know, how long it takes for him to get to the big leagues. Boston Loose Baseball, we give you at least two pods every single week. We'll see what happens this week. We might be in line for three if something important happens, but this could just serve as a day early pod number one. Producer Darius, what do you got?
3: Uh, So I just wanted to, as kind of like a final out for this episode, talk about I went to the game on Saturday, which was – Interesting because it was a lot of fun, a lot of high energy early That's a on. Nice way to put that game, by yeah, the way. yeah, it was interesting. Uh, there was a lot of fun, it was a lot of fun, a lot of high energy. Um, one of my favorite moments, I think, in baseball, and we've had a lot of it over the years, uh, with, with Davey and with uh Dusty Baker, we've had a lot of those moments where the manager goes out to a young pitcher uh in a tough spot, you know, let's say sixth, seventh inning, sometimes fifth inning, and says, Hey. Are you good? Can you handle this? And everybody in the crowd at first is thinking, oh, they're going to pull him, they're going to pull him, they're going to let him have a chance. And instead, they walk off the mound and let their young pitcher stay out there and get himself out of the jam. And they did that, Davey did that with Jake Irvin. That was one of the coolest moments. I love those moments every time they happen in, uh, with our team and in baseball in general, uh, to see him get that out, that third out of that sixth inning, uh, get out of that scoreless. He does a fist bump coming off the mound. Uh, everybody in the crowd was... super excited and hyped up, giving him a round of applause as he's coming back to the dugout. I just love moments like that, and I wanted to shout out um, Nats fans and shout out Davey for letting him stay in, and shout out Jake for getting out of it. I thought that was a really cool, awesome moment on Saturday.
2: Yeah, that's a good call. I mean, Jake Irvin, by the way, in his last 12 starts, over 65 innings, a 3-8 ERA. Wow. Uh, 58 strikeouts. Like, he's thrown the ball decently. Long term, is he a starter in the rotation? maybe not if everything goes the way they want, you know, probably depends on what type of pitching they're adding, how much they're spending. I'd prefer that you have him maybe as a multi-inning reliever, but he's been super competitive at the major league level. He's been far from like, this is, he's on an Eric Fetty level, which is like the best pitcher they've developed and had at the major (laughs) league level in arguably 10 years. It hasn't been a disaster, right? I mean, I I know that's a low bar, but. Um, he has exceeded my expectations. I will say.
4: Yeah. We talked about him when he got called up, probably just being a bullpen guy after making a spot starter too. And now he looks like a guy that he's going to stick in the rotation the rest of this season. And maybe is fighting for the back end of the rotation next year. But you know, this is why I feel like this season has been so good. Grant, obviously the top thing is developing the young guys that are the future of the organization, but then having guys like stone Garrett, like Jake Irvin, even Lane Thomas can be thrown into this bin a little bit where they just go out, they get an opportunity, they ball out, and now they're making Mike Rizzo make decisions. You know, like, what do I do with this guy? Where do I put him now? Do I trade him? What do I do? You know, if they all sucked, then he wouldn't have to make a decision because they'd just all be gone when the young guys come up. But instead, now he has to figure out where these guys fit, and then I can tell you, Mike Rizzo would much rather have to make some tough decisions on these guys than not.
2: Yeah, it's a good point, And, and I will say, too, and maybe this is kind of what you were just saying said differently. But like this is what starts to happen when your system doesn't suck by the way. Mm-hmm. Like you you have competition now, like legitimate good players around you and you see how they prepare and play and you get better. Like you went so many years where nobody was like maxing out or just coming out of nowhere to be really good but how do you think that always happens with the braves and some of these organizations it's because you're seeing how dudes do it and you're seeing what really really good prospects look like and it's no different than in your own job if like nobody is a lot better than you that you're trying to to keep up with you you have different habits right and i just i think you're starting to see that where some like jake irvin is better this year at the major league level and overall as a prospect than we probably thought. Jacob Young is is out kicking his coverage, right? Guys like Jake Alou are getting to the big leagues and and helping. I, I don't know if that, that, that kind of thing wasn't really happening for this team for some time. And part of that is they were really, really good at the major league level, and they were too good to give Jake Irvin this kind of number of innings. But uh, another p- element that can't be ignored, I think, is like this is what starts to happen when you actually have Enough dudes that you got good competition at the minor league level, which is yeah. cool. And yeah, it means and I, that Darius gets to see Il Demaro Vargas pitch in the ninth inning. <laughs> I,
3: I was going to say,
2: we are Corey does... Abbott. I mean, my God. Oh, Should I tell my. the story that I am as soon, uh, nah, well, yeah, I will. As soon as Corey Abbott, I, I knew they didn't have anyone left in the bullpen. It was just like the Corey Abbott day, and it was two innings left in the game. It was tied. I feel bad about this. I sent you guys, this is not a lie because I sent it to you beforehand. I took the over. And the Phillies to win by multiple runs. So, like, they basically had to score at least, was it three and a half or three runs in their final uh, two at-bats? Yeah. Yep. And, and I, I just was like, okay, they're going to score four runs somehow. And, and it was like five batters later, they'd hit it. And I was Ugh. like, I, ha- I hate myself. I hate this bet. I hate everything. And I, I want to donate the money to charity. Uh, but I had sent it to the Nats, <laughs> our little Nats chat that we have. And I was like, I, I just made this bet. I just feel... <laughs> And it wasn't like, I'm a genius. It's like, this was the most predictable thing in the world. They have no bullpen. I don't even think Corey Abbott is that bad. Like, I I don't even think he's the worst pitcher in the world. It's just, these are the kind of days where this happens, where there's no bullpen left. He's walking out there knowing he's on a tightrope with no net. Like, here we go. And it was a matter of time before they started stringing hits together.
3: Yeah. Well, I was going to ask. I was just going to ask, where does Ildemar Vargas now fit into the future of the bullpen?
2: <laughs> I mean, the guy that's went two out two appearances there, this year it, for him.
3: It was a stellar performance. It was way better than Corey Abbott. Yeah,
2: Ildemaro
4: that's the craziness of baseball. A guy that's an actual pitcher goes out there and gets shelled, and then a position player walks out there, gives up a home run, and then looks decent after that. I mean,
2: <laughs> this baseball's so weird. It is. It's a great game all right we'll be back later in the week boston loose baseball episode 77 in the books thanks for checking us out